Welcome to Niner Die Hard Trivia, where the listeners bring the questions. Think you know everything about your Charlotte 49ers? Now it's time to test that knowledge. The answer to last week's episode was John Maine. Maine decided to forego his senior season at Charlotte and was drafted by the Baltimore Orioles in the 2002 MLB Draft. Maine went on to pitch for the New York Mets and Miami Marlins. Today's fan question was inspired by a Twitter post by listener Michael Dunn. The question is, what was Steph Curry's all-time record against Charlotte basketball? And as a bonus, how many wins did he have in Halton Arena? I'll reveal the winner and answer in our next podcast episode. To submit your answer, tag the podcast on Twitter along with the hashtag InsideTheMind. Now, on to today's episode. Welcome to Info Nugget. My name is Drew Fitzgerald here to bring you coverage or commentary of all things Charlotte 49ers. With me today, I have Cameron Williams. He is a writer for the Charlotte Observer, host of the 49ers basketball podcast, and is also a writer for Agent 49. Cameron, you just keep coming back. I mean, I might as well just add you to my show at this point because you're just going to be on here every week talking about Charlotte 49ers with me. There's so much going on. I'm totally down. I mean, let's do it. I don't, I'm never opposed to talking 49ers. I'm doing well, man. Hope you are. Awesome. So uh, we both met up at the spring game. It was a great showing. There was a lot going on. People got autographs on the field. We got to see the new kind of look of the nine of the Charlotte 49ers. What did you see out there on that field? Uh, did you see anything that sparked your interest? Anything off the field that you noticed? I like, I like the play of Darrell Robinson. I've been saying it a while. Um, he was with the ones and, uh, or he was rather, he was playing against the defensive ones and he really, he just has an elusiveness about him, man. And I think he can be your every down type back if you need him to be. Obviously we didn't see the play of, uh, Quivarius Crouch, but I think adding him to that room is going to be very interesting to see who comes out of there on top, whether it be Darrell, Quivarius or uh, Shadrick. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I saw Quivarius after the game when we all got in the field. He was on the sideline visiting. So that's super exciting. Another four-star running back, a Big Ten running back. Wow, man. That running back room is deep. The quarterback room was deep, but we'll touch on that later. I saw uh, some great play from Jalen Jones. I noticed that he was automatically the leader of the team. I saw him on the sideline about in the fourth quarter of the spring game, just hyping up the teammates on the sidelines. He was they were sitting down on the bench and he was encouraging them to get up and support their team. He just seems like a natural born leader and someone that's going to lead the team this season. So it was really exciting to see him play him and Jack Hestera, uh, the transfer from Colorado were really tearing it up. They had that wide receiver quarterback connection and they really had it going. So it was really cool to see them out there. Jalen Jones looks really solid. So I'm excited for him to be uh, presumably the starting quarterback next season. And thinking that way. Um, and, and, you know, Poggi actually sang his praises as well as uh, James Foster's after the game. But obviously with the, the recent news of him entering the portal and then today uh, Xavier Williams entering. So there's a lot of um, a lot of Charlotte players entering the portal. So I know you want to talk about that a little, too. So we can touch on that whenever 
we get there. But you know, Jalen he he throws a good ball, and I mean, I know that just sounds generic, but he really puts it where he wants to and can fit it where he needs to. And I mean, that's that's what you want in the quarterback. You don't need somebody who tries to force things and force it down the field. You just need a guy to go out there and make the right reads and the right plays. And I think he did that. Yeah, uh, I noticed one of the plays Jones was throwing to Bradley. I think he's the transfer from South Dakota. Don't don't quote me. They're actually Pittsburgh, I think. Don't quote me. Um, one of the two. There's one of the two. It's Bradley and somebody else. But he was throwing it. He was throwing it to one of the receivers, and it was a pass interference play. But it hit him right dead in the hands, uh, despite the fact. So it just kind of showed his accuracy. He he really yeah. was. I I rarely saw him miss a target uh, in comparison to all the other quarterbacks. So that was great to see. Shadrick Bird had a few nice runs. He was really. They were feeding him the, the ball a lot. I'm curious to see what they're gonna do now that they got Crouch right entering the running back room now. And then if Shad's going to share that with Darrell, I, I, I assume if he doesn't, if, if he's going to share it with uh, those two, then he may transfer. I hope he doesn't, but that could be a surprise to me. Uh, that wouldn't be, a, excuse me, that wouldn't be a surprise to me if uh, he's forced to share the ball with those two. You know, I think it's one, if he has to share the ball with Darrell, but now that two running backs enter the equation and it, if he's not starting, I'm wondering what, what he, what decision he's going to make, because as we saw with a lot of the quarterbacks that we'll touch on later, um, it was evident that they're probably not seeing the field this season, or they're going to get a few limited snaps. So their decisions made sense. So if the same goes for him and he's not declared the starting running back, or if we see a surprise news that he's transferring, that wouldn't surprise me that they went with a different decision, but he looked like the strongest back out there. Darrell looked great, but again, he didn't get that many touches. We just saw the most of Shad and Shad looked like pretty dominant. So I think uh, with Poji being more run dominant centered and, you know, his offensive approach, I think he, we could utilize three running backs. Now, some of the guys towards the end of that room, like um, Henry Rutledge comes to mind. He's kind of that special team specialist, but I mean, if he's not going to see the field unless it's a punt or kick return, I can see maybe a guy like that transferring. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Obviously for just depth purposes, you don't want anybody transferring if you're on staff or if you're a fan of the team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, Shad's that guy. He's obviously got the most collegiate game reps at the running back position. Darrell obviously being a freshman, but uh, Quiverius being a um, who was a running back converted to linebacker. Now he'll be playing his collegiate. You know, I think this is his first year where he'd be playing running back in college because he played uh, at Michigan State. He was a linebacker, and before that, I think he was also a linebacker. So mm, yeah, yeah. So I also saw a Teron Kelman. He was from Northern Illinois, former St. Francis Academy alum. He was on the sideline nursing. I think it was a left leg injury. You know, he is somebody towards the end of the running back room. He just transferred this season. So I'm curious to see what decision he makes. He's a three-star. So moving towards kind of the offensive side of the ball, more towards the defense, I saw a lot of great defensive plays. But again, we really didn't see much. We saw... uh, Ikwonu got to, oh my gosh, man, he was making some great tackles. Just stone handy is always great. Just a lot of great uh, defensive backs out there. But again, it was hard for us to tell what was going on because we would see it. We would see a, a short catcher tackle, or some of the quarterbacks would miss, in, you know, passes, and we we couldn't see the whole play develop. So a lot left to be desired on the defense. But I definitely saw some promising things out there. What was your take? I think one thing fans have to realize when you got a talented group of, you know, defensive players playing a very talented group of offensive players, 
it's it's going to be like a stalemate. I mean, you saw how close the game was and the final score reflected, you know, how close the game was the whole time. And so you're not going to see, because the defense knows the offensive playbook, and, I mean, the offense knows what the defense is planning to do. So it's not like you're going to see a score that's 35 to 14 or something like that. It's going to be close because you're, both defenses, both offenses know the sets that the others have in their playbook. So, I mean, it's easier to read a defense when you know, okay, they're in this formation, so they're either running A, B, C, or D. So I think from a, from a logistics standpoint, it was, it was a very good game overall because we saw flashes of better defense than we saw a year ago. We saw flashes of even better offense than we saw a year ago. So overall, I'd give, you know, if you could grade the game, solid B plus A minus. I mean, I thought overall the game was very solid. Yeah, one thing I want to add before we transition to our next topic is I did see Jalen Bradley make some great defensive plays. They put him back at DB, and he's a he's a wide receiver. If I'm corrected now, now that are coming back to me, he's the he's the transfer from Pitt. So really uh, exciting to see. I'm wondering if they may experiment with him back there, or if he was just filling in. But he made some great defensive plays and some great tackles. So it was really interesting to see. So transitioning uh, to some big news in Charlotte basketball more of like a tidal wave of news. Two new transfers uh, have entered the room. One of them being Dean Ryber, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's from Rutgers. He's a forward, 6'10", 225 pounds. And then Deshaun Jackson, who is uh, from Washington State. He's 6'10", 250 pounds. He's a center. These are two big guys. They're a huge pickup, especially very needed. Mm -hmm. We mentioned that the last time we talked or last time we talked about basketball together that you know, Charlotte needed this height. They were missing a lot of height last season. They really only had Khalifa. This is a huge pickup. What are your initial thoughts on it? Uh, these two recruits that they just picked up. Part opposites. I mean, as far as gameplay style, yeah, they're two six ten guys. Way similar, you know, weights. I mean, it's not like one weighs a ton more than the other. But you know, Deshaun Jackson from Washington State. He's going to be more your your traditional back to the basket. I mean, I don't want. No one's really like a Shaq type center anymore, but he, he's going to be more your power type center. Whereas uh, Ryber can really stretch the floor and shoot the three. Um, originally from Northwest Guilford, so he's a Greensboro native. Um, mm -hmm. Recruited really hard out of high school by Charlotte, um, so we we got this guy on the rebound. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they fit in because I mean Ryber reminds you kind of maybe a little taller, but Igor Milicic type that can stretch the floor or shoot, drive past you. So. They definitely hit on um, throwing in the front court after the loss of Ali Khalifa. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, I hear there's more transfers on the way, so we'll see what happens there. But we need some guard play, um, maybe some forward. I mean, I don't want to say like guard play specific, but maybe the that two, three hybrid position that Bryce was that we lost. Because, I mean, we got Zay Folks and uh, Lakai Patterson. They're going to be one heck of a backcourt next year. Definitely. I, I like your comment about how they fit the scheme and style of, of the Charlotte team. I've seen some clips of Ryber and he's a great passer. He had some a beautiful, amazing dimes. And I think coupled with Igor Milicic, that'll, that'll be an interesting combination down low. Deshaun, on the other hand, is just a great dunker, a power dunker, almost like Armando Baycott or somebody kind of one of those big centers in college basketball that exclusively sits under that rim and just hammers it down. He averaged six points a game with Washington State, which is pretty notable uh, given the fact that uh, they're a team that made the semifinals in the NIT. He has um, 
he had four, four and a half average of four rebounds per game and an average of one block per game, which is pretty nuts. I mean, he, that, that's some height that Charlotte definitely needs and will add to their already kind of smothering defense. So that that'll definitely help them. He had 14 points and seven rebounds against BYU, the team that Khalifa transferred to. So definitely notable uh, there. He did that fee, had that feat in 21 minutes, which is uh good amount of playing time, but with more playing time, I'm interested to see how uh, Jackson could shine, but two great pickups for Charlotte basketball. I do think that they should add some, you know, one of that, like you mentioned, a stretch position. I agree with you that stretch position that Bryce Williams filled like a good shooter. Uh, and then somebody down low, probably another, another person to add height because remember they're missing Aldridge as well. He graduated. So uh, that'll be a, a void in, in, in the, in the, defensive and offensive schemes of Charlotte. Uh, also a point of note that Deshaun Jackson, he's kind of been battling some injuries the past few years, but in his freshman outing, he, he showed a lot of promise. He had 14 and 18 points in their two games against USC, and he did that while scoring on current uh, Cavaliers center Evan Mobley. So I watched yeah. him at USC. Yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah. Um, that's worth mentioning. Jackson had a great freshman year. So I'm curious to see how he'll develop at Charlotte. We saw the two centers that we picked up really thrive well. So I, I think that it spells pretty great for him. And he is a big guy. We needed height. So definitely a, a good, good, good way to start off the transfer portal for Charlotte basketball. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully there's more to come. I mean, I do know that there, uh, there were some recruits in the house today. So we'll see. We'll see what other commitments Ron and his staff can land. Awesome. Well, we'll transition to the three-headed monster, the four-headed, the five-headed, the Hydra uh, in Charlotte uh, football. There have been dudes coming in and out of the program. Expected, we, we did see a very deep roster going into the spring game. So it was expected that a lot of these guys would, would transfer out. We expected a few, but we've, we've had a lot go back in and out, nothing too crucial, mainly at the quarterback position. It was the biggest blow Z uh, Xavier Williams and James Foster have both decided they're going to pack their bags and go a really respectable decision for the both of them. Foster was a former Texas A&M transfer. He was a redshirt junior. And then Xavier Williams is a redshirt freshman or will be a sophomore next year. So tough for the quarterback room. I expected Williams to stay maybe for another year. I'm not sure if he was guaranteed a starting position after this year, after Jones left, but I definitely was curious because he seemed on board with it, especially when he talked about, in a lot of the posts with uh, Lewis Corrala, he was talking about his excitement in the weight room and, and they were talking about his energy and spirit. So I'm kind of curious to see if that was a, a long-term decision, if he always knew that he would transfer, especially after Biff came in, or if that was just a new development. But you probably know more on that than I do. <laughs> not, I mean, I'll say not necessarily. I just think when you talk about football these days, I mean, it's, it's a business more so than it ever has been. I mean, when you got a roster, you know, a quarterback room for deep that could potentially start. What are two, what are two, honestly, two of those guys doing on the roster? Now, Xavier was kind of a surprise. I mean, even James was kind of a surprise, but they brought in the transfer and two transfers, really. And so when Jalen performed the way he did in the spring game, it's kind of like, okay, well, who's not going to play? And could they play elsewhere? Absolutely. I mean, Xavier could go to start for plethora of teams and same way I feel about James. So 
it, it's a business and i mean it's a it's a rough one to be in but i mean poji probably had to have a tough conversation with some of these guys and be like all right probably won't see the field much this year i mean unless you just you know do something you know, incredible and i mean I, like I, that's just speculation i'm not saying that happened but it's just a tough business to be in, especially on the, the coaching end of it, because to have those conversations is probably tough. Yeah, I think Deshaun Purdy's signing was definitely big factor in Williams' decision. I think it was one thing to just have Carson Black as competition going into the next year. But the moment they signed Purdy, I'm wondering if that's when he decided to make up his mind. And if I'm not starting this year and I have to compete next year, I'm probably not worth it. And probably, frankly, if he lost the QB battle this year, you know, why, why is he going to stick around? He might as well leave and go somewhere else. Cause that's, that's the thing is the transfer portal creates all these opportunities for people like Jones, who was at Bethune Cookman to go to Charlotte and, and be a leader for a team like that. But it also allows Williams to decide, Hey, I'm not getting enough playing time. Let me go somewhere else where I can make an impact. So that's kind of double-edged sword of the portal, but tough loss for Charlotte, but we could definitely rebound from this. You'll be those two quarterbacks will be a, a you know missed dearly by the fans. But moving to the other part of the offense, the running back of room, Mika Bell has announced that he's leaving. Or Micah, excuse me, Mika, Micah. Micah. I'm, I'm, Micah, yeah. I'm I'm you know me, I'm bad with names, but he's he's announced that he's leaving us respectably so that running back room is so crowded with crouch coming in and especially now that they got a challenge fatimatu if if i'm pronouncing that correctly he's from he's he's a transfer from maryland uh originally from honolulu hawaii he was almost like a power back for for maryland on the goal line he has announced his commitment to charlotte so Two more running backs entering the room. So Tehran, you got Tehran Kalman, uh, Fatimatu, and then you've got Crouch. Then you've got Bird, and then you've got uh, I'm blanking right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so you've got all of those guys. There's so many to keep track of. I can't even remember, but you know that running back room is gonna be really interesting because I I don't I I'll find it hard to believe if all those guys will stay by the end of the season. There's like seven of them. But again, you mentioned Biff does like using running backs in his offense. So I'm curious to see how that will end up, but I could foresee one of them leaving at the end of the season, but the running back room is stacked and they've got a lot of talent. So that's definitely a to see what kind of sets they're on. Cause I mean, shoot, you could even do like, I, I know a, a listener will love this, uh, do like a Charlotte Catholic high school. Where they, they run the wishbone, but they got like two or three running backs out and then, who knows that with that amount yeah. of running backs and that amount of talented running backs, it's uh, they could definitely utilize them. Definitely, definitely could see a lot of wildcat offenses with the running backs and and moving them around. Dylan McDuffie, who was the Buffalo commit, he is decommitted from the program now. He was he's a running back from Buffalo. I think he spent some time maybe somewhere else, but I think it was just Buffalo. He had a lot of yards there. He is decommitted from the program, and then we also had someone else decommit. Um, another running back. There's somebody to keep track of, but uh, a few decommits, a few people transferring. We've had um, Antonio Gaines is leaving. Isaiah Potts is leaving a, a defensive line. So he's a defensive lineman. Antonio Gaines is a defensive lineman. So that, and that defensive line and linebacker core is, Oh my goodness. They've got Clowney. Yeah. They've got Equonu. They've got 
Oh my goodness. They've got uh Yabioki. Oh my goodness. So they're really stacked. Uh, so I'm curious, I'm curious to see how that will turn out. Uh, if any other transfers on defense will come Trey Creamer, obviously he is transferred. He was a, he was a cornerback, a great standout freshman cornerback. He is transferred and obviously Elijah Spencer and Taylor Thompson. So yeah. what I was going to say was like, I just, I really like what this doing though. He's, you know, a lot of people say like always oh, over recruiting. If he's got, you know, seven running backs in his room, well, I don't think you can ever over recruit. I mean, if you got a stable of backs that you can choose from, and like that, that's where that's where the line, you know, shifts into that being that tough business I was referring to earlier. Because then, once you narrow it down, you've got to have a you know set number of you know student athletes. You got to make those decisions with you know the kids that you got to let go, and it just it is what it is. But I don't think you can over recruit. You got to have your options available, and what he's done by getting bringing in all these transfer running backs and bringing in all these transfer uh defensive men it's 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 a good thing <laughs> believe me it's a good thing yeah yeah also worth noting that luke hill uh the former oregon commit he was a four star from st francis academy he's now decommitted from the program which is really interesting so that that when i will with that defensive back room filling up they they picked up day day uh day day holmes uh from unc that that's another addition to the def- the defensive backcourt. And then Elijah Culp from Troy, he's a transfer. He's been transferring around from place to place. Now he comes to Charlotte. So having two guys from teams that were bowl eligible last year, now coming to the to the team and, and contributing for the secondary, you know, defense is equally as stacked as that running back core. So a lot of people are talking about this team and, and their ceiling, about what their ceiling may be. I know a lot of people are saying this is a six-win team. A lot of people are saying this is, you know, upwards of 10 wins. What's your stance on that? I know it's hard to predict after the spring game and hard to know, but realistically, where do you think this, how is this team looking and what do you think they need to do to be competitive for the American? Yeah, there's a lot of time from now till yeah. uh, September, but holy cow, or August really. But when you look at the the final record, I mean, uh, 10 wins is a stretch. I mean, what we for the first year in the American Conference, our schedule is not easy by any stretch of the means. So, I mean, I could say eight or nine, but I mean that that's high end, and I'm not going to put any limitations on it. Because I know Purdy's out there win the American, and if that's if that is truly you know, his heart of heart, lofty goal, then man, <laughs> you go for it, coach. But, shoo, you know, I would put expectations on a team until. You know, it's it's closer to the season, and I can you know see you know, how the teams progressed over the summer. So right now, I'll say eight wins is probably a ceiling. But you know, I don't I don't think they'll bottom out anything less than six. I mean, you don't. I mean, that there's there's talent on this team now. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that eight wins is pretty realistic, but. Like you mentioned, it's one of the, it's like one of those March Madness brackets that they make right after the <laughs> tournament ends. You don't know, but what I saw at the spring game was better you could definitely tell that the talent on the field was much needed and it was very optimistic and very good for the future you know with nikai hill green also another recruit that i forgot to mention he's from uh, michigan now entering so you've got all these new recruits that weren't even playing in the game yabioki didn't even i don't even think he took a snap I definitely think that this team is in way better hands and way better shape than last year knock on wood 
<laughs> but this team seems in a way better direction. And like Darrell said after the game, you know, it's, this is about family. This is about creating a family atmosphere. And, you know, we're not going to win games if this isn't a, a, a family atmosphere, a family environment. And I think from witnessing the spring game, it was evident to see that we had a lot of new talent, a lot of talent that most fans probably underlooked that we gained in the off season, really displayed their stuff and showed they were great in cohesion with what we had with other, other starters last year, like Shad Bird, we're adding all this new talent. It's going to be really great to see what Poji's going to make of it. And I definitely think I agree right now. My expectations for this team is probably probably the ceiling right now is an eight. But again, this is way before the summer even started. This team hasn't even got to work. But I definitely think our debut in the American is going to be great and, and better than uh, most of the time that we had in the CUSA. It's, it'll be tough, yeah. but but games against teams like Florida in the swamp seem winnable now. They They don't seem like the games in the past where we played Clemson, where it's like, I hope to God we could just put some points on the board. This seems like truly an opportunity for us to go to places like college park, Maryland and to the swamp in Florida and show that, yeah, we, we can compete. We do have the athletes to compete. And especially, you know, after Florida's uh, showing at their spring game, a lot of fans were upset with what they saw on the field. So, it, you know, that's really intriguing and interesting to see that a lot of these teams, a lot of these other teams may not be gelling as well as they expect to be but it's early in the spring we don't know it's like what like like i mentioned earlier it's one of those those brackets or that nfl poll right after the super bowl where it's like yeah who's going to be in the super bowl next year that we don't know we don't know but it was great to see and we got a lot of insight so do you have anything uh, else to add yeah yeah real quick i was just going to say it's just funny you mentioned florida fans not being satisfied because they're used to seeing you know guys like tim tebow and percy harvin and uh Kyle Pitts and stuff. And so when they don't have, you know, successful teams like that, you know, they're automatically mad. But no, like you said, it's just, um, it, it's proven that Poji can recruit. It's 100% the man can recruit. Now it's time to go see if he can coach at the collegiate level. He's proven at the high school level. Let's see what he does at the collegiate level. Um, it, it's our job to do the speculation, you know, the predicting the wins and stuff. That That's media's job. It's his job to go prove it wrong. And if he wins 10 games, I'll tip my hat to him. So if he wins, if he gets, gets us to a bowl, I think fans will be ecstatic. Um, yeah. But that was, that's, that's it for today. It was, it was great to talk about, you know, the spring game, the bas- recruits we picked up in basketball, the people leaving in football and the people we're gaining in football. I'll touch more on it on my Inside the Mind episode next week in more specifics. The whole list of who's leaving, who's entering, we'll go in depth in that. But thank you so much, Cameron, for talking about yes, it with sir. me today. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about it in the future. You're on like every other week, so we'll be talking Jeez. about it all. Yeah, we'll be we'll be talking about it all summer. It won't it won't stop. And then when the season starts, we'll we'll see what happens. So well, thanks everybody for listening to our episode today. Make sure you follow Cameron on all of his socials. I'll put the link below. Remember, Niners wear green on Wednesday, and they also listen to Inside the Mine. I know it's Monday. I'm sorry for uploading the episode late. We'll have another episode this Wednesday. Hopefully I don't take as long to upload it. Just the cloudy weather had me burn out but thank you all for listening and i'll see you soon thanks for listening to inside the mind hit that follow button to stay updated on all things niner nation 
You can find me on Twitter at InsideTheMind49 and on Instagram at Drew underscore Fitzgerald. As always, picks up and roll Niners. <laughs>